0: Section 75 of A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 4, by Henry Charles Lee. Book 9, Chapter 1, Part 7. Conclusion decadence and extinction the liberals had won their victory by unexpectedly large majorities indicating how great had been the advance in public opinion no measure had created such intensity of feeling on either side the rejoicing of the liberals was extravagant and the anger of the clerical party may be gauged by the declamation of archbishop velez who is as vehement as though the whole fate of christianity was at stake the abomination of desolation he declares seemed to have established its throne in the very house of god the clergy had already been alienated by various measures adverse to their interests the appropriation of a portion of the tithes to the support of the armies the escheating ex- of the property of convents destroyed by the invaders or having less than twelve inmates and the abrogation of the voto de santiago a tax on the agriculturists of some provinces based on a fraudulent tradition of a vow made by ramiro i when by the aid of st james he won the suppositious victory of clavijo the debate on the inquisition had heightened the reputation of the cortes as an irreligious body and it was not wise to inflame still further the hostility of a class wielding such preponderating influence but the liberals intoxicated by their victory proceeded to render the measure as offensive as possible to the defeated clericals on february fifth after the final vote the committee on the constitution was instructed to prepare a manifesto setting forth the reasons for the suppression of the inquisition which together with the decree should be read in all parish churches for three consecutive sundays before the offertory of the mass that in all churches the insignia of those condemned and penanced should be removed and that a report should be made as to the disposition of the archives of the tribunals the preparation of the manifesto delayed the publication of the decree until february twenty second for it was a long and wordy document in which the decadence of spain was attributed to the abuses of the inquisition the ancient laws had therefore been revived restoring their jurisdiction to the bishops in whose hands the catholic faith and its sublime morals would be secure religion would flourish prosperity would return and perchance this change might some day lead to the religious brotherhood of all the nations it was not long before the imprudence of this step manifested itself, for it gave the church a battleground on which to contest not only the reading of the manifesto but the execution of the decree itself, and, if defeated, of occupying the advantageous position of martyrdom. Opposition had, for some time, been in preparation, as early as December twelfth, eighteen twelve. 1812, the six bishops of lérida tortosa barcelona urgel teruel and pampeluna in the safe refuge of Majorca, had prepared a manifesto widely circulated in private representing the church as outraged in its ministers oppressed in its immunities and combated in its doctrines while the jansenist members of the cortes were described as adherents of the council of pistoja no sooner was the decisive vote of february fifth taken than the chapter of the vacant see of cadiz prepared for a contest over the reading of the decree and manifesto it had already appointed a committee of three with full powers and it now instructed the committee to communicate secretly with refugee bishops in cadiz and with chapters elsewhere with a view to common action Letters were sent to the chapters of Seville, Malaga, Jaen, and Cordova, representing that the Cadiz chapter was ready to be the victim, but would be strengthened by the union of others. Seville replied with promises to do the same, the rest more cautiously, for they felt that they were treading on dangerous ground. This dampened somewhat the ardor of the fiery Cadiz chapter, and it sought for other support. On February twenty third, the parish priests and army chaplains of Cadiz were assembled and addressed the chapter at great length. To read the decree and manifesto would be a profanation and a degrading servility. The papal constitutions creating the Inquisition were binding on the consciences of the faithful until revoked by the same authority, and from this obligation the secular power could not relieve them to obey would be to incur the risk of a dreadful sacrilege and the penalties for impeding the inquisition imposed by julius the third and sixtus V, it was better to fall into the hands of man than into those of god and they were ready to endure whatever fate might befall them this was rank rebellion slightly moderated by the expression of a desire to learn the opinions of the holy prelates who were in cadiz the chapter duly transmitted this address to the prelates the bishops of Calahorra, plasencia san marcos de leon siguenza and albaracin calahora and san marcos were deputies in the cortes and had signed the constitution stating that it entertained the same sentiments and repeated the request for their opinion the bishops replied cautiously and in substance advised that representations be made to the government which might be induced to modify its decrees time was growing short for march seventh had been designated as the first sunday for reading the decree and manifesto on march third a capitular meeting was assembled in which it was unanimously resolved to obey but to make use of the provisions which authorize citizens to obey without executing and to represent reverentially the reasons for suspending action until further determination. This was the first step in the development of a somewhat formidable plot which was organizing. On March 5th, the papal nuncio, Pedro Gravina, Archbishop of Nicaea, addressed to the Regency a very significant protest against the decree itself the abolition of the inquisition he said was contrary to the primacy of the holy see he protested against this and he asked the regency to induce the cortes to suspend its publication and execution until happier times might secure the consent of the pope or of the national council on the same day he was guilty of the indiscretion of writing to the bishop of Jaén and to the chapters of malaga and granada under strict injunctions of secrecy, advising them of the proposed resistance of the Cadiz chapter, and inviting their cooperation. The next day, March 6th, the chapter sent to the Regency the address of the priests and chaplains of Cadiz, with a communication setting forth the reasons, which not only prevented the execution of the mandate of the Cortes, but imperiously required the secular power to protect the Church and relieve it from an act in contravention of its honour and sanctity the chapter it argued could not be accused of disobedience for insisting on the spiritual law which was more binding than the temporal the regency evidently was participating in the plot to overthrow the cortes for the purpose of saving the inquisition the legislative and executive branches of the government had become estranged there had been dissension in the matter of the suppression of the convents, and an investigation made by the Cortes into the affairs of the Regency had led to a damaging report on February 7th. The Liberals were convinced that it was planning a coup d'etat when, on the night of Saturday, March 6th, the rumor spread that it had dismissed the governor of Cadiz, Di Cayetano Valdez, and had replaced him with Di Jose Maria Alos sunday passed without the reading of the decree and manifesto in the churches and on monday the minister of gracia y justicia sent to the cortes the communications of the chapter to the regency a permanent session was at once declared the cortes dismissed the regents and replaced them with the three senior members of the council of state cardinal luis de bourbon archbishop of toledo de pedro agar and D. gabriel Siscar, who forthwith took the oaths and at nine p m assumed possession of their office the dismissed regents offering no resistance harmony between the legislature and the executive being thus restored on march ninth the cortes ordered the regency to compel obedience under threats of measures to be taken the chapter yielded at ten p m and promised that the next morning and on the two following sundays the decree and manifesto should be duly read it was obliged to furnish authentic copies of all papers and correspondence on the basis of which a sharp reprimand was addressed to the seville chapter and on april twenty fourth prosecution was commenced against the cadiz capitular vicar and the three members of the committee for treasonable conspiracy their temporalities were seized and for six weeks they were imprisoned incommunicado the trial dragged on until the restoration of fernando the seventh rendered acquittal a matter of course and enabled them in their defence to declare that to destroy the inquisition or to impede its action in matters of faith was the same as prohibiting the jurisdiction of the roman pontiff thus trampling under foot a dogma established by jesus christ the documents thus obtained showed that nuncio gravina had been active in furthering the plot of resistance now that it had been crushed policy would have dictated dropping the matter but on april twenty second the minister of gracia y e justicia addressed him a sharp letter expressing the confidence of the regency that he would in future observe the limits of his office as otherwise it would be obliged to exercise all its authority to this he of course replied defiantly whenever ecclesiastical matters were concerned he might find himself obliged to follow the same course and the regency could do as it pleased some further correspondence followed in the same vein and then after an interval his passports were sent to him his temporalities were seized and he was informed that the frigate sabina was at his disposal to transport him whither he desired he declined the proffered frigate and established himself in portugal near the border whence he continued busily to stir up disaffection assuming that he still retained his functions as nuncio on july twenty fourth he addressed a protest to the government and sent a circular to the bishops inviting them to apply to him in cases requiring his aid this led to a lively controversy in which the government charged him with deceit and he retorted by accusing it of falsehood and challenging it to publish the documents this was by no means the only trouble excited by the enforced reading of the decree and manifesto recalcitrant priests were found in many places whose cases caused infinite annoyance and bad blood, and the bishop of Oviedo was recluded in a convent for refusing obedience. The government triumphed, but it was a pyrrhic victory, multiplying its enemies, heightening its reputation for irreligion and weakening its influence. The result was seen in the elections for the new Cortes Ordinarias, when the deputies returned, were largely reactionary, owing to clerical influence. There were many vacancies, however, which were filled by the old members for the corresponding places, and thus the parties were evenly balanced. The new Cortes met September 26th and on November 29th adjourned to meet in Madrid January 15, 1814. The Regency transferred itself to Madrid January 5th by that time the french were virtually expelled from spain wellington was following Sou into france and suchet was barely holding his own against Copons in catalonia the return of fernando el deseado was evidently at hand and was eagerly expected the reaction following the prolonged excitement of the war was beginning to be felt there was widespread misery in the devastated provinces the relief of which was slow and difficult and was aggravated by a decree of the cortes requiring those which had been subjugated to pay the arrears of the war contributions dissatisfaction with the cortes was aroused by what were regarded as their sins both of commission and omission the lowering of the value of french money caused great suffering and trouble all who had served under the intruso were ejected from office the parish priests were reinstated in their old cures which turned into the streets the new incumbents people began to grumble at the preponderance of the liberals in the cortes in short there was no lack of subjects of complaint exhaustion and poverty the inevitable consequences of so prolonged and desperate a struggle produced discontent and it was natural that those who had guided the nation through its tribulations should be held responsible while their services should be forgotten the military also were dissatisfied at finding that at the close of a successful war they had not the importance that they considered to be their due while the clergy were outspoken in opposition and through two widely circulated journals el procurador de la nacion y del rey and la atalaya de la mancha attacked the government furiously during all this period fernando's existence at valensay had been as agreeable as was consistent with his safe keeping the only restriction on his movements was a prohibition to ride on horseback napoleon is said to have kept him supplied with women to satisfy his strongly developed sensuality and he manifested his characteristic baseness in letters to his captor congratulating him on his victories and soliciting the honor of a matrimonial alliance with his family after the battle of leipzig napoleon striving to save what he could from the wreck represented to fernando that the english were seeking to convert spain into a jacobin republic fernando was ready to agree to any terms and on december eleventh eighteen thirteen there was signed what was known as the treaty of valensay under which peace was declared between france and spain the english and french troops were to be withdrawn the afrancesados who had taken refuge in france were to be restored to their property and functions and fernando was to make a yearly allowance of thirty million reals to his father and mother fernando sent the duke of san carlos with the treaty to madrid for ratification instructing him that if he found the cortes and a regency infected with jacobinism he was to insist on ratification pure and simple if he found them loyal he was to say that the king desired ratification with the understanding that he would subsequently declare it invalid the treaty excited general indignation as early as january one eighteen eleven the cortes had decreed that they would recognize no treaty made by the king in captivity and that he should not be considered free until he was surrounded by his faithful subjects in cortes now the cortes responded to fernando's message with the decree of february two eighteen fourteen reissuing the former one and adding that obedience should not be rendered to him until he should in the cortes take an oath to the constitution on his arrival at the frontier this decree was to be handed to him with a copy of the constitution that he might read and understand it he was to follow a route prescribed by the regency and on reaching the capital he was to come directly to the cortes take the oath and the government would then be solemnly made over to him all this was agreed to with virtual unanimity it was signed by all the deputies and was published with a manifesto denouncing the treaty and expressing the warmest devotion to the king the publication aroused general indignation at the treaty and the manifesto elicited universal applause to fernando trained in the traditions of absolutism the treaty of Valençay was vastly preferable to the reception prepared for him, but he uttered no word of dissent, when, after Napoleon had liberated him without conditions on March 7th, he was transferred by Suchet on the banks of the Fluvia, March 24th, to Capons, the captain-general of Catalonia. He exercised volition, however, in deviating from the route laid down by the Regency, and made a detour to Saragossa on the road to Valencia, but he preserved absolute silence as to his intentions everywhere. He was received with delirious enthusiasm. The people idealized him as the symbol of the nationality for which they had struggled through five years of pitiless war, and there were no bounds to their exuberance of loyalty. End of section 75. Recording by Linda Johnson.